DJ and PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller's Subaru. Time to talk University of Utah football with Josh Newman. Utes writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. Josh, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. I was a little entertained there. 11 months on the beat. You finally saw a Ute game. Not a Ute game with fans. Not a Ute game with locker rooms. But you saw a Ute game. I did. Well, look, I guess, you know, it's uh, a beggars can't be choosers situation, right? <laughs> part, of right. My, part of my ongoing shtick here was I've been here for months and months, haven't covered a football game. Uh, we had the, you know, we had four different schedules. Uh, the Arizona game got canceled. The UCLA game got canceled. Finally, we get to Saturday night, uh, you know, with USC in town. Uh, the game got played, and, uh, you know, it was some semblance of normalcy. As you said, no fans, no locker rooms. Things were a little awkward, but football season at Utah in mid-November has started, and we push forward now. And already a change at quarterback. What do you suspect or know about that? Yeah, that was interesting. So, you know, things had kind of sounded like they'd been trending towards Cam Rising winning the job, you know, for the original November 7th opener. Uh, you know, he does, um, you know, he does start the game on Saturday, uh, 14th offensive play, fumble. Uh, he gets on the ground to go get it. Uh, you know, he takes a shot to his shoulder. Jake Bentley comes in um, and he finishes the game. Uh, we are waiting on official clarity exactly on what's going on with the quarterback situation going into this weekend. But it does sound like Rising was, you know, pretty sufficiently injured, at least to the point where it sounds like Bentley's going to start uh, this weekend, whoever Utah winds up playing. So, um, you know, I've covered, I've covered my fair share of, of quarterback competitions and quarterback situations through the years. So this is, you know, this isn't anything new. You know, I guess we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. But there are some, you know, long-term ramifications here if Rising is, you know, is very, very hurt. Uh, and Bentley winds up starting the rest of the year. Um, the eligibility clock, you know, please remember, you know, that the eligibility clock is frozen for everybody this year. So, uh, you know, we're going to have to see what the long-term effects of this Cam Rising injury are. So when you looked at the depth chart, Josh, you had a bunch of oars, particularly on the offensive line, and two of those oars were involving freshmen. Now, uh, they were redshirt freshmen. I think one was uh Bills and then Kump. Both those guys ended up starting, and then you also had a redshirt freshman already starting. So that left them with three freshmen, either redshirt freshmen, but nevertheless freshmen, as it, as it were. Uh, so under those circumstances, as I look at the game, I'm not really surprised, particularly when you throw in the quarterback change, that the offense struggled. No, the offensive line certainly struggled. Um, as you said, look, uh, 60% of the offensive line – was playing in their first collegiate game. That's number one. Uh, two, you know, it sounds like the offensive line was one of the units that was really banged up from the COVID outbreak earlier this month. So uh, reps and continuity was kind of tough to come by, you know, throughout the buildup to this game. Um, and then you take all that and, oh, by the way, USC was in town with this ferocious defense and guys were flying everywhere and they were stunting all over the place and they were bringing pressure, bringing pressure. So uh, tough night for the offensive line. Uh, the quarterback change didn't help. Um, but, look, now they're, they're, they seem to be beyond the COVID outbreak and most of their guys are out of quarantine, out of isolation. So you have you – have pretty much what your depth chart will look like now, those guys are now available. So 
you know, we go through this week, right? They'll get back to work today, and you'll get a full week of reps and continuity, and the first team offense will be better defined. So you would think, you know, this week things will get a little easier, and they, they presumably will look a little better going into the weekend. So, Josh, I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming that some of the guys who started aren't really first-team guys. So as much as guys improve, how much do you just expect to see different guys out there under the theory that they had enough guys out of quarantine to play, but they didn't have all of their starting offense out, offensive line out of quarantine? How reasonable a guess is that? No, you do make a good point. And look, it, it, I was up in the press box right with my binoculars, and I'm looking and I'm checking guys off on the on the flip chart, but it it appeared that they they did have the vast majority of their of their starting offense was available against USC, uh, as you alluded to. Not everybody was available, but the vast majority of the offense was available. Um, in terms of the offensive line, yeah, I think I think you might see a little tweak between the USC game and the game this weekend, but for for the most part, it it did appear like most of their guys were available. It's hard for me to really criticize them for losing because the circumstances are so bizarre, and I think that you know if they would have been playing game three, they would have looked better as far as that goes, and we know that was SC's uh, third game. So I put that aside. I'm trying to look for trends that I can see going forward, not just for the next three or four how many games they play, but into next season, and hopefully we get back to some degree of normalcy next season. And I'm wondering, you know, they, they, they've got, I don't think they have anybody who touched the ball in the backfield who was a senior as far as the running backs go, unless I'm missing somebody. Uh, and it looks to me like that competition is still wide open because I didn't really see anybody separate themselves. I thought Ty Jordan looked good in the times he got the ball. How would you evaluate that position? I think you said it well. Um, you know, Kyle said uh, more than a couple of times during fall camp that you know the, um, the running back situation was fluid. Uh, they have four guys that they like. Uh, all four guys were going to touch the ball in the opener, and that's what happened. Uh, you know, Ty Jordan and Devin Wilmore and Devin Brum- excuse me, Ty Jordan, Jordan Wilmore, Devin Brumfield, um, and Makai Bernard all got touches. And yeah, it's still. A little undefined you know I liked what I saw from Ty Jordan he was as advertised um, you know explosive can do a multitude of things not just as a running back but also as a pass catching option out of the backfield um, you know Devin Brumfield always struck me as kind of that bell cow 25 carry guy uh, 25 carry game guy if if one were to emerge so you know we'll see what happens here moving forward but the situation um, the situation is definitely still fluid. There is nothing to find coming out of that coming out of that game. I would agree with that, but I do think there's a trend, and that is that Ty Jordan's gonna get the ball more because when Kyle says in the post game, I thought Ty Jordan was good, but we went away from him, we gotta get him the ball. It's like, yeah, that may sound like a suggestion in the post game, but that's not how that's gonna play out. He's gonna get the ball more. Not exclusively, no, he, but more. Not exclusively, but more, and that you know, we don't watch practice, right, mm-hmm. under these conditions. It's, it's been strictly Zoom calls. I haven't watched one second of practice since the beginning of March. So you have to re- really listen to what Kyle is saying on these Zoom calls and try to read between the lines. He has unprompted mentioned Ty Jordan more times than I can count. You know, very impressed by Ty Jordan throughout fall camp. Even going back to March, um, you know, the coaching staff was very high on this kid. 
So that was one where I was really intrigued to see finally what this kid could do. And yeah, he, he showed some flashes. You know, he has a nice burst out of the backfield. Um, again, good hands out of the backfield. He can catch the ball. Um, I assume at, at some point, maybe not this year, but at some point down the road, we're going to, we're going to see him as a punt returner or a kickoff returner. So, uh, you know, you look at all the, all the young options on the roster. It seems pretty clear, even after one game, that that kid is really part of the future planning. From the defensive perspective, we know that I mean they, they may go the rest of uh, who knows a hundred years before they send that many guys to the NFL. <laughs> so you'd have to think that all right, it wasn't going to be as good, uh, and we all expected that. But I think that, and you can't really do that. It's like saying you know if you take away those six runs in the fourth inning, we beat those guys. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> but if you take away the missed tackles, then I would have graded them out probably. B plus A minus. Now, still had some missed tackles in there, but overall, I thought it was a pretty good effort. I I agree. I thought it was a good effort. Um, I, look, you're playing you're playing against arguably the best quarterback in the Pac-12 um, in Keaton Slovis. They've got any number of, of of big physical wide receivers, and and you know that was a real trial by fire, right, for this Utah secondary. Which you take all the members of this secondary, they had zero career starts between them, right? Clark Phillips, true freshman at cornerback. Nate Ritchie is a true freshman at strong safety. So, you know, look, this is not like Idaho State or Montana State or some FCS patsy that's, you know, that's coming in here. This is USC. So I thought they showed well. Um, maybe giving a little too much cushion on some plays, some missed tackles. But for game one, I thought those kids played, you know, pretty well. Uh, I thought Slovis was, you know, was picking on Clark Phillips there for a, a little bit, but Look, he stood his ground. He finished with nine tackles. I thought he played very physical, very smart. So, again, it's like, how do you, you know, this is such a weird year, a weird season. How do you, how do you grade these kids? How do you grade these position groups, you know, under these conditions, coming off a COVID outbreak? It's only a four-game season. Bottom line is I thought they played pretty well, and that was a pretty, that was a pretty encouraging opening effort for the secondary. I think the things that encouraged me about it um, were the fact, uh, I thought Kyle picked the right word when he said scrappy. If it wasn't his opening remarks, it was the first question, but it was early in his press conference. Because although they gave up some big plays and missed some tackles, I thought they were good in the red zone. That game could have easily gotten out of hand. I've watched a lot of USC football over the years, and those games often get out of hand. But they made SC settle for field goals. They'd get a big run, but they settled for a field goal. They did a big pass play, but they had to settle for a field goal. So I thought that was a, uh, a big positive. And basically, with the turnover inside the five-yard line or at the five-yard line on the, on the fumble when the quarterback gets hurt and Rising goes down, that seven I don't really hold them responsible for. And they got seven points. So I thought those are the two things to kind of hang your hat on. You didn't, you didn't give up that many points, and you held them to field goals after you gave up big plays. Yeah. No, that's well said. Again, as you said, these USC games, typically with this offense, they can be explosive all, all through the years, no matter who the quarterback is. This particular quarterback, Keaton Slovis, the kid's a stud, and they've got options. And especially, I'm sorry, in the second half, they held them to two field goals um, early, they weren't giving up touchdowns. They weren't giving up crazy big plays. I thought, all told, I thought the I thought the Utah defense played well enough to give the offense a chance to make it a game in the fourth quarter. And we've already been through what the offensive struggles were. But again, defense played well enough. Thirty-three points. You see the you see the total yardage yielded. I understand all that. 
defense played well enough to give Utah a chance to win, I thought. If I'm handicapping, I think the best chance this week of their opponent would be Washington. Yeah, I agree. Um, we're going to see how this whole thing plays out. Um, I thought it was interesting yesterday that the Pac-12 released its game times and they moved the Utah-Arizona State game from Saturday to Sunday. Um, that, at least to me, that indicated that Arizona State thinks they may be able to play this week, but let's give them an extra day just to kind of get themselves together, similar to what the Pac-12 did for Utah a couple weeks ago when they were supposed to play at UCLA on Friday night. The game got moved to Saturday. Uh, game ultimately ultimately got canceled, but they were giving Utah some more time to to figure things out. So, look, it's a it's a big puzzle, right? And BYU is a part of the puzzle, and you know we all know what's going on. So, as of right now, it's Utah, Arizona State. If I was a betting man, yeah, it it, it kind of seems like it's going to end up being Utah, Washington, but it's only Monday morning, and as we've all as we've all found out the last couple of weeks. These things can happen on a dime, and they can happen very, very late in the week. Yeah. Uh, USC is uh, 3-0 and playing 2-0 and Colorado. I thought the one thing when you mentioned Slovis, the one thing I took away with Slovis is um, he doesn't look like he's throwing the ball as well as he did a year ago. I thought he floated some balls into areas and got some plays out of it. I don't know, shoulder, elbow, wrist, but it won't surprise me to find out that he's playing through something that they don't want to talk about right now. Were you left with the same impression? This is my first time seeing Slovis live, mm-hmm. so you know my you know my vantage point is not as deep as as you guys. Um, I thought I think Slovis has looked solid. Um, did he look better last year, based on stuff I saw on TV? Yeah, maybe, but he but he does look pretty good to me. Um, and if we're going to say that he's not playing great or or playing well, he is certainly playing well enough that you. Um, that USC is three and zero. It may be three and zero by the skin of their teeth, having to have escaped against Arizona State, and you know they needed to drive late against Arizona. Bottom line is, Slovis has them three and zero, and you know that is essentially you know the de facto Pac-12 South title game this weekend with Colorado coming in. The winner is in the driver's seat to to win the South and uh, and play for the Pac-12 title, assuming we you know we actually get to a championship game here. Before we let you go, I want to ask you what's going on with men's basketball. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't even know if they've got a schedule out, and other teams have had schedules. Uh, so it looks like they may not be getting on the court soon. Yeah, so we reported the entire schedule. The schedule is not out. Um, we reported last week that they are going to open up against the University of New Orleans on Friday night at the Huntsman Center. Um, there is a COVID-19 situation going on inside the men's basketball program. The severity of it has not been made public, uh, but it doesn't sound great. Um, I'm hearing a large number of COVID-19 positives inside the basketball program, and it is not limited to the players. Some more clarity hopefully is coming today as to whether or not they are going to open the season on, on Friday night. As you said, no schedule yet. They are supposed to open Friday. That game is locked in. And we'll see, uh, but it does it it doesn't sound like it's trending in a in a positive direction. I'll say that. Yeah. If there is a phrase that brings twenty twenty, you know, just kind of summarizes it in one moment, they are locked in. So we'll see. I think that's the <laughs> phrase. 
Yeah, um, locked in, uh, tentatively speaking. <laughs> right. This, this whole this whole year is tentatively speaking. Um, let me just say for the record, um, you know, as the men's basketball team has tried to has tried to you know revamp their schedule and figure out the non conference schedule, all of the new game contracts for the men's basketball team they all include language pertaining to COVID nineteen, and that if there is a COVID nineteen situation. You know, they reserve the right to cancel the game. Nobody owes anybody any money. So this is the new world we're living in, right? I've been, I've been covering college athletics for a long time. I, I've looked at umpteen million game contracts through the years. This is a new one, right? These game contracts now have COVID-19 language to cover themselves for, for you know, pandemic-related reasons. So you guys know I'm a, I'm a basketball guy. I enjoy it. I really, really hope to cover a game on Friday night at the Huntsman Center. I don't think it's trending in the in the right direction right now. Josh, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on. I know you got multiple things to follow here. Uh, we appreciate you tracking them all and sharing with us. Thank you guys for having me.